this is an HR program on demand. A living seed capsule of work life and workplace coming live from a rooftop in Stockholm, Sweden. It's me, Anne-Marie Andrich, and me, Katarina Berg. A podcast on HR straight across the counter. Hello, Katarina. Hello, Anne-Marie. Good to have you and see you on this rooftop in Stockholm. Well, I'm glad the weather allows it, but being a Swede also means that you're being a Viking, right? Exactly. And there's no bad weather, only bad clothing. Exactly. And our clothes are so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> let's talk about being a Swedish global company. Mm-hmm. How would you define being a Swedish global company? Well, I guess it's quite easy, right? So I don't think it's a question of definition either. You are a Swedish company, then went uh, global. (laughs) Rather straightforward. I think so. Yeah, but I've also seen, and I think there are quite a few of our listeners who have seen that, you export Swedishness into the world. I think, as always, when you do things, you need to have a label for it for internal understanding, but that's sometimes also to do some packaging externally. I think what we have done over the years is talking about, you know, Swedish values on export, Swedish leadership on export and the Swedish model on export, which obviously we are not necessarily all together stealing with pride, but we are so inspired by the things that we think work in this company and that we have proven that it works also going international or even global. And what is then when you put that Swedishness into the context of Spotify, who you are and your culture? How do you describe that to the outside world of Sweden? I think, you know, a whole episode should be by people that are not Swedish and they would have a day talking about what Swedishness is and how quirky we come across and the strange things that we do. For instance, I think a typical Swedish thing is when you go, you go hard, but the 80% is anchoring. So we have all these meetings and meetings and meetings. And I think there is a lot of people that would sign that they sometimes come out of these meetings not being Swedish and not used to that and go like, Did we decide something? What did we decide? What happened in that meeting? Was that really productive and all that? And then sometimes I'm pretty sure that they book meetings after the meetings to just decide what was maybe either decided or what was handling, handled over the meeting. And I think that is quite Swedish in one way. The second thing that we do, obviously, that we talk about and a couple of other companies in other industries have made a business into, it's fikas, right? So usually when we come together, it's not just the coffee, it is the cinnamon bun or roll And we try to, or we usually eat something, and usually it's not savory, it's it's more sweet. And then we talk, and uh, you could either judge us for not having interesting enough things to talk about, but what we talk about is how things with the flow, processes, work, and get to know each other. And by doing so, the typical water cooler talk, but not necessarily open water, it's very, very good and strong coffee. So the fikas, I think, is also very Swedish. So there is a couple of things where I think people laugh, sometimes with us, but also, I think, you know, behind our backs. And I think that you have to come to terms and and realize that. But these are not necessarily the things that we packaged and, and said that we would put on export. I think our global parental leave program that we launched 2015 is typically one of those things. A couple of other things that you have heard no matter what generation you are, you know, the TOC, the TQM, the Lean or the Agile, And it's come in different shapes, forms, you know, and also fashions. But to really have an attitude of you recruit really smart people and then you develop them. 
and then you let them take the decision, you let them weigh in, and you're not necessarily super hierarchical, and uh, it's very transparent, and it's very open, and it's built on very much trust. I think that is Swedish leadership the last 100 or 150 years, and um, then we have seen other things trending. We have seen people package that and sell that in literature, in books, in management books, and then they label it something like new, or this is what we do within this industry, or we do it in this time of evolution. But I think that is how we have done things. I think it goes back to a lot of things. If you just think about that for the longest time, uh, when you and I grew up, we were kind of 8 million in this country. And if you just do the math, we should not be successful on a global landscape in sports. We should not be having the H&Ms or Ikeas or the Ericsson's or, you know, the Astra Pharmacia. You should not have the Spotify's or the King's or the Klarna's. You should just not have all these global companies that are old with good tradition and really nice companies or these young kind of companies coming up from startups. And we do. And I think it's because leadership in our company and most likely in your company too, it's a team sport. And uh, when everybody weighs in and, and you come together, you're stronger than, you know, a person or a superstar. And I think that's why we are able to, year after year, both have companies that are still doing really well for themselves on a global arena, but also why we are successful when it comes to sport and also in sports where it's not necessarily a team, but where there is a team behind the scene, right? So I think that is part of our DNA. I think that is what you have to do if you're a small country with a lot of, you know, compared small companies. And also we are not really dead center of anything. We're just up here in the Nordics and Yes, it's beautiful and it's nice and the weather is changing and all that. But I think that is part of the Swedishness too, the resilience and the grits and um, really trying to, to make it with whatever you have. And if you don't necessarily have a lot of things that will take up your time or your focus, this is also when you can focus on the things that you would like to become successful. So not necessarily a country that comes from going big on everything or having audacious big dreams, but knowing that together we can do a lot of things. I think that is part of the Swedishness. And then there are four things that we know is the universal drivers, right? You know this and work with this and dedicated more or less all your working life. The autonomy is important and autonomy is not something new, my friends. It's nothing that came with Agile or came with Lean or came with TOC or TQM or, you know, the, the Blue Box or Kaizen. It's something that we truly believe here. If you are, as we have talked about here, it's, you know, few people. You just have to make the best together. The second thing is competence or competence development. Big driver. A lot of people have a growth mindset, if not all, and I would say, I would debate, all have, and we all passionate, curious. Sometimes it's killed by a teacher or it's killed by the environment, but we all want to learn and develop. And then if you, instead of trying to get in the way, if you just enable or get out of the way, that is what people continue to do their whole working life or their lives. 
So I think it's one of the things that when we are not competing in Sweden with salaries and we don't necessarily believe that you walk the extra mile for a bonus or anything like that, it's for the accomplishment, it's the, the things that you achieve together, the pride you take in what you do, but also that you know that you will learn things and constant learn. And that doesn't make us Swedes, it's just something that we have had and that we put into you know, the mixed bag of what is our companies and, and why we are successful, I think. And the third thing is belonging. Most people that don't start up a single kind of company with one person yourself as a boss and employee, you want to be part of something that is much bigger than yourself, like much, much. And I think we all take Friday that when you leave that company and when that chapter is done or you want to move on or for any reason need to move on, is that you want to leave something that is bigger than yourself and company that is stronger than when you joined it. And I think that is also something that we all know is what propels and also drives and motivates all of us. And the last piece is benevolence. Very, very, very few people will work today, I think, for a company that is only there to, you know, earn more and more money for the shareholders or, or do something for just profit. I think, you know, if you say that that is not interesting to make money or profit if you are private sector, I think you will be lying for yourself because any company, organization that doesn't have any debts are also free to do whatever they would like to in the creative side and also innovation side and can drive that and drive their own destiny. But the thing is, you know, with benevolence is this, most people, including, I guess, you, for sure me, so I guess for sure you too, is this, you want to work for a company that has values that you can identify with, in best case that you think is really good, and that you do something on top of just making money or doing what is core, core business. And here, I think all those things are universal, yes, but I think most Swedish companies, no matter if you are in the private sector or the public sector, has excelled in all four. Thank you. When I hear you talk about this, it seems like the purpose-driven and the values-driven culture and leadership seems to be rather embedded in Spotify. Is that correct? It is. And I think it's been from the start, even if all those things developed too, right? And, and maybe in the beginning, it wasn't really professional designed leadership uh, development trainings. And it is today. And we didn't necessarily have the leadership criteria in place where we designed everything and we decided on these criteria. We will recruit, we will develop, we will also, you know, assess. And sometimes, yes, redeploy, yeah. which is important that you say, which everybody goes like, <gasps> and also in Swedish company, <gasps> are you saying that? But it doesn't mean that it's up or out. It means that everybody also are really good at what they are comfortable about. And sometimes people recognize faster themselves than you know everybody else or their manager that this was not the right career move for me or this doesn't fulfill me or doesn't make me happy. And we know from school and from early on, everything that we find to be playful or fun to do, we also tend to be really good at. And the things that we don't find to be that fun or that we kind of have a challenge with, it's not necessarily where you will go or, or where you will excel. So I think that goes hand in hand. And uh, leadership is important. And as you say, the group sport thing, yes, for sure. Second, that, you know, you should be here and wanting to create healthy teams. It's like, it is the thing that everybody says. It's not a sprint, it is a marathon. And uh, you can only, you know, the whip and the carrot doesn't really work because it's very, very hard to whip really good with a carrot.
right? <laughs> Just kidding. But the thing is, it doesn't necessarily work. And I don't think people are put together that way too. I think it's all about the purpose and daring to be purpose and value driven. And uh, if you have a mission that people signs up to and, and want to be part of and understands, again, it's not about we sit down and it has to be consensus, which is another thing I think people either laugh about and talk about and say that it's very Swedish, but it's more about consent, right? Yeah. You tell everybody, you have the openness, you have the transparency. And, and I know that there's so many people joined this company, especially if they're not from Sweden, are so all dashboards, yeah? Every piece of information. Well, not every, because we're public today. So there are a couple of things that we can't do because then you're not compliant. But everything else is not like a difference between what role you have or what level. It is open and it's transparent. And I think it goes back to those old pictures that sometimes we go like, isn't that a bit juvenile to talk about? But you either sit and, you know, are destined to sit there and just, you know, try to hammer out a piece of rock or you part of building that cathedral. And I think everybody needs to have that motivation. So yes, if you talk about what's important and what's been embedded from the beginning, I think there is a belief. And, and the other thing is, if you have a founder and CEO that is very much about what we do and very much, you know, embedded in the things that we do, does not sit on a high horse and is very humble and a bit introverted, to be honest, too. And not say that he's shy because he's not, but doesn't necessarily play a role. Then I think it's very hard for all the other managers and leaders in the organization to, you know, go around and think that the best way to get ahead here is to be something that we are not and we've never been about. Entitled egos. So we don't really have patience for any entitled egos. And yes, I know that it's put into our band manifesto. And it's very true. We have had really good, big, known, proven rock stars join this company. And it's back to that organ rejection that I talk about. It's just both for themselves. They're like, okay, this doesn't really work for me. And, and I have had success after success in other companies. So it's not nothing wrong with them, but it's nothing wrong with us either. It does just not work. And the organization and the peers and you know management or the band members, like what is the problem with this person? And obviously it's not a problem. It's just, you have to choose your company. You have to choose your manager and you need to do a due diligence before you start a job. What is the culture? What is the values. And for us, I say management SLA, which nobody else says, but the service level of agreement, that is what we, as I said, recruit on. And that is what we train. Doesn't mean that we're looking for Übermensch. Doesn't mean that we get it all right all the time. Doesn't mean that you have to be seasoned and accomplished. We have a lot of young managers that are leaders for the first time. And yes, you are allowed to do mistakes and fail. Hopefully you will learn from them. But I think the learning part is the important thing that you want to and you do understand becoming a manager and a leader is a job per se. It's a job by itself. It's not like I'm really good at this and then I manage a bit, right? That is the thing that you will never be finished. And I don't think necessarily on the other things too. So it's a constant learning journey too, to become and be a manager that is relevant. Yeah. Great. Thank you. So sort of coming back to the Swedish versus the global company, your employees or band members, as you say, do you think that they recognize themselves working in a Swedish company or in a global company or I both? I hope they think that they work at Spotify. Yeah. Right? So it's not necessarily in that sense a Swedish culture or a global culture. 
because what is that? And then the thing that I say over and over again, it evolves. I think, you know, we all work for CEOs that were so in love with a typical face or culture of their company that they, you know, when you cling on like mice to men, and then all of a sudden you kill that little mouse just because you loved it so much. And I think that happens easily to a company or a culture where you do the mistake. And it sounds like semantics, but it isn't when you go for a strong culture rather than a right culture. And the right culture can look different in different phases of a company's kind of life circle. So I think that is very important. And um, if you are fortunate enough, like we have, or the boss I have today, that happens to be the CEO and the founder too, is that he understands that everybody that we bring in, they also bring a piece to the company. And it's not that we're just looking for, you know, the experience and what they bring they will also color the company in, in a way that it makes it more interesting. So we don't look for culture fit. We look for culture add-on, right, which is important, not just for diversity, inclusion, belonging, but for innovation. And that is why DIMB is important. But then when it comes to leadership too, if you've been there, done that, and bought the T-shirt, it's not that interesting anymore, right? So you have to reinvent yourself and you have to refresh. And this goes back to repurpose and sometimes repropose, right? Do I want to do this or am I just here? So all those things are important. So are we Swedish or are we global? I think we Spotify and that changes all the time. But are we afraid to say that we have Swedish roots? That would be just stupid. If you have two founders that are Swedish and you have your headquarters in Sweden, and half of the top management team sits here. But you also have to acknowledge the biggest office that we have today is in New York. And more than half of all the employees are outside Sweden. So Swedish, not necessarily, again, you can't cling on to that, but there are things where you can get inspired and also sometimes where you can explain things that you do that are good, things that you do that are strange. And then you have to embrace that and sometimes also laugh. And if they don't work for you, then you have to kind of leave them, even if they were darlings for a while, yeah, right? exactly. You mentioned uh, diversity and inclusion and belonging that I know you've been working a lot on and uh, embed in your culture. Could you elaborate a little bit on how you work with it and why it is important for you? So from the angle of global versus Swedish and, and leadership, I think, you know, it's not more important to us. I think sometimes a very big trap for a Swedish company is that we have come so far within this space. And we haven't come very far, except for when you sometimes compare to the companies or countries that hasn't come anywhere. When you set up a business or when you set up an objective, it's usually not like, let's be better than the worst in class, right? It's never. So why would it be anything that you say within diversity, inclusion and belonging? I think that is very, very strange. And I don't think that is leadership, no matter if we think it as a role. So it shouldn't take that much to have the leader jersey on. I don't know if you're into biking, but the leader shirt is usually hot pink or yellow. And we don't have that. We're not doing as good as we should. We're not where I hope we were within all of the area of diversity, inclusion, and belonging. But it's important and it's embedded in our you know, focus areas, but also in our objectives. And uh, I think we are moving the needle. We could do more. But then again, back to the team sport, it's nothing that, talent acquisition does or HR do or the team of diversity, inclusion and belonging co-workers is something that everybody does, right? So everybody from hiring managers, everything that we do should be 
in the eyes of trying to do this, and not because it's PC, not because it's politically correct. It is because it's driving the business, it gives us more innovation, and obviously it's also going to make us much more creative and sustainable as a company. So you have to, I think, go down to the bottom line and not just necessarily of the money on the bottom line is, why do you do this? And then it should be embedded. And if you have a leadership team that don't believe in this, and if it's only something that we put into the people's strategy, it's never going to change and it's not going to be better. If you have a team and you have managers that understand this, it will be part of their objectives too. And that is what's going to happen, right? So it's, it's important. So the way that I read you then, Katarina, this is not solemnly something that HR does. This is something that is embedded in your business plan and strategy. Is that correct? It's, it's like with everything that you do. Yeah. You know, you win together, you lose together. Right. So you can't do this. But then, of course, I have a couple of people that are specialists within this. So that would be, a, you know, a hub or center of expertise. But then it needs to be embodied by everybody or nothing will happen with any strategy. It's just one of those, hey, let's have a paper product or today when we're digital, maybe not even a paper product, right? So I think you have to take a restart of why do we do this? When do we do this? And how do we do that? And, and when it comes to things like that, leadership or diverse inclusion, no matter what we talk about, it's big things and they are defined in so many ways, but it has to really be embodied in everything that you do. Not that you think about it all the time or you mention it, but it should just be in your muscle memory, I think. Muscle memory, we like that. Excellent, <laughs> good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. So why don't we end this talk with the three things that you typically end talks with? Okay. And especially during Corona time. And especially maybe now when you feel that you are getting cold and you want to <laughs> end up here. So what we usually say is stay safe, stay strong and stay active. In the